Well, welcome to another episode of Contra Mundum. I am your co-host, CJ Ingle, and with me is Pastor Andrew Isker, and we're excited to talk about everything from mugshots to Grill Americans. So, Andrew, uh, how are you? How was your week? Oh, excellent week. Yeah, it was a great week. Um, it felt like, I mean, this, this week since we last recorded, it felt like a year has transpired. You know, sometimes, like, you know, when you think about things on the, on the internet and online, it's, it's hard to remember the passage of time uh, because things that happened a month ago seem like a decade ago. And this was a week where, I mean, Thursday after we recorded, we saw the, the mugshot of uh, the legitimate president of the United States, Donald J. Trump. And uh, uh, he, we see this, I mean, it's scowling in the, the mugshot uh, that, that everybody saw. I'm sure everybody uh, watching and listening has seen it by now. And if you haven't, uh, I, you must. I don't know how you're getting this podcast because you must not have an internet connection. Uh, but uh, it, it was it was quite a week uh, since then. And, and a lot has happened. Uh, CJ, you've been pretty busy, too. You were uh, you were traveling uh, all over the place. So how was your week? I went to the oh, South. It was good. I love the, the South. American South. Yeah, yeah. The American South. What other South is there? <laughs> the only, only the South American, there is. The only South <laughs> we're right. talking about. Uh, That's right. But it was good. We uh, we went to a plantation, which was fun. And um, man, the 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 tour guide on the on the where the slave quarters were was like super into like the sixteen nineteen stuff. And of course, like what do you, what else are you gonna yeah. get? You're like you're not allowed days. to be anything but that. Yeah. No, yeah. But my mom but my mom was with us and she she's like an educator and she just has this like um she doesn't realize how insane things have gotten. So she was trying to ask serious questions and like serious yeah. questions from someone who was who went to college in the eighties can be like really triggering for a sixteen nineteen aficionado, right? So this guy was just yeah, yeah, really yeah. upset with her questions and she was like you know asking questions about what happened to the slaves after they left this specific plantation and he was just like i cannot believe you asked that <laughs> like and she just has no category what? for understanding why that's raw like why that's like inappropriate yeah. you know in yeah. today's yeah. like like pc yeah. world. but she but he was like they met they, they were released they were met with the kkk jim crow and segregation and she's like all at once. Okay. Uh, okay. So like they were slaughtered. Like, like what, what's going on here? Like what happened like, to them? Yeah. yeah. Like, they were all lynched. And she's like, oh. sounds made up. You know, sounds like you just made that up. <laughs> like, but like, yeah, okay. Yeah, but, but, but that brings yeah. us to our next topic. I mean, like she's, she's not a grill American, but she does have that. Like, Oh, it's 1980. Like Reagan's still in the white house and like America's yeah. great and all this stuff. Like she just yeah. has no idea yeah. what's happened over the last 30 years. Um, but that does bring up one of our topics too. Like what's it going to take to radicalize just the standard run of the mill boomer con, you know, the boomer con and, and the grill. I mean, you had a, you had a, a tweet this week, you know, simply asking, can the grill Americans be radicalized? And, yeah. and I, I would lump, I mean, I'd lump the two together. I mean, when, when we talk about grill Americans, it's, it's kind of your, you know, your middle-class and even working class, um, you know, the term that the online terms, maybe the chuds, you know, the, the people who, um, you know, they work their job, they've, they've got a family, they, they enjoy going out on their boat. They, they like to watch NFL football and, you know, just, just grill. I mean, it's the meme wow, that's crazy. Catch the game last night. And it's the guy yeah, standing yeah. in front of his grill, you know? Um, and, 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 
part of it is like, okay, not everybody is going to be a big political nerd and obsessed with everything going on. Um, most people just simply live their lives and, and don't make, you know, too much fuss about anything. And, and so that's, that's the bulk of the country where it's, it's, it's not like they don't have any political views or thoughts on these things. They simply, it's not the biggest priority in their lives, right? They're much more concerned with, yeah, the NFL season is starting. I got to get my fantasy football team drafted and I've, I've got to, uh, you know, check out, uh, you know, Dave Portnoy's latest pizza review and, and just live my, you know, just live my life and enjoy, you know, enjoy the material prosperity that we still have in these United States. And that's, that's, that's what people, that's, that's how they live. Um, and so the question of, can they be radicalized um, is of course they can, right? Of course they can be radicalized, but the question is, what is the thing that will do it? Um, yeah. And I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. know if they can be radicalized. I think they can get really like ticked off. I think that you can like take yeah. their grill away from them. You can, you know, take their ability to burn coal because of, you know, emission standards or whatever. Like yeah. you can yeah. take those things away and you can fluster them. But like, all they're going to want to do is return to the era of Bill Clinton. You yeah. know, when life, when life was good and we were at some economic high, I don't know. That's not radicalization. Um, no. Can these people realize that we don't live in the free country, that the greatest nation on earth is actually in a state of revolution against their very livelihood. And that has yeah. been since world war two, perhaps sooner. Um, you know, so like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if they, if they even have like the mental category to undergo a radicalization. Yeah. I mean, so I, I, it takes me back to, you know, 2020 and all of the things that are occurring, you know, we have, you have the lockdowns and I mean, the thing to me, the most obvious sign that, all right, things are, are the, that this whole thing, I mean, early on, um, all of the COVID stuff and all, all of that, like I initially, I like bought into it because from, you know, January and February of 2020, the media is saying, if you're worried about this virus that's coming from China, uh, you're, you're probably a racist. And, and so it's, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. I mean, you had like New York, there was the, you know, whatever Chinese festival, uh, Chinese new year or whatever. And all of the people are saying, go down there and go hug a Chinese person. If you, if you don't go down there, you're a racist. If you're worried about this virus, you're a racist. So immediately like the alarm bells are going off in my head because they lie to us about everything. And I'm like, oh man, this is going to be really bad. This is going to be really, really bad. We're all going to die. And after, you know, the two, the lockdown where it's like, oh, we'll, we'll shut everything down for two weeks. And after the two weeks passed, it was like, oh, they, they turned on a dime and now they're in like almost like war mode where they're it's clear things are not going back to normal. This They're going to be on this. They're going to use this and, and, and employ this to, you know, affect the outcome of the election. Right. And so it became mm -hmm. obvious like this was, this was not real, but like the most, the biggest tell that this was not real. Uh, this was all fake is when the NFL said, yeah, we're still going to have a season. Right. We're just even if we don't play with fans, we're still going to find a way to have an NFL season. And in my mind, it's like because, you know, they canceled like the NCAA men's basketball tournament. They just didn't even have one in 2020 in March of 2020. 
And but when they said, nope, the NFL's still gonna play, I'm like, okay, uh the the circuses are still on, right? So the bread, the bread is still coming and the circuses are, are still going to happen. And and so I knew, all right, this is this, they're just using this to manipulate the country. And and, and that's and that's the reason why, because you you have to have the bread and circuses. I mean, it's it's kind of a almost a pedantic point um at this point. Yeah. But um that these are the things that they use to pacify the people. And so it's like, all right, if if the conditions are so bad that that the grill American can't have NFL anymore, that maybe would be the thing that radicalizes them, right? That might be it. Uh, but it's got to get really bad for for that to happen, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I I look at it. Um, I mean, it almost takes takes me back to you know our our libertarian days where everyone's really concerned about the, about financial crisis and things like that. Um, but at, at the end of the day, I think it's true that, I mean, what is, what are the unfunded mandates of social security and Medicare and, and all of that? Um, and, and when's it supposed to go bust? It keeps getting closer and closer. They keep revising it where it's probably sometime before 2030 when social security can't, it is broke. And then what happens, right? Um, it, how much, inf- I mean, we already have a massive amount of inflation, um, because, because of, of the events of 2020. I mean, my, my grocery bill is now double what it was at least, um, mm-hmm. from where it was in 2020. And uh, I'm sure yours is too. And everyone listening is, is noticeable. And, and so what happens when they have to just print money to cover the cost of social security and, and welfare and everything else? Um, yeah. You know, what happens to the country then? I mean, maybe, maybe that's the thing that radical. I, I really think that that is probably it. Like the, the bill comes due eventually and the material prosperity that we enjoy is illusory. It's not going to be here forever. So in five years, when it all goes bust, it, what's going to happen? You know what? I mean, what, what do you think CJ? No, I, I, I do think that if anything can, can really spark their, you know, frustration in a profound way. It's going to be something economic. I mean, these people aren't going to fight for like their religion really in a meaningful way. You know, they're not going to fight for their culture. They're not going to fight for their education, their books, their symbols, their statues, their cultural memories. Like most people yawn when Robert E. Lee statues get torn down, you know, Mm -hmm. but I do think that like economic, the, the inability to consume at the same level, as their like their own parents, like that begins to I think really uh, just dig deep at the Grill American. So could yeah. be sports, but yeah, I I I mean, my own parents' generation they're noticing it. Like we don't have enough to actually survive retirement. Like they're beginning to notice yeah. that, uh, and it's a very it's a very yeah. fragile situation. Like it's a house of cards. You know, anything happens, and they realize that they've worked their whole life. And the rich men of Richmond are basically have everything and they have nothing that radicalizes yeah. them, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that that's part of it. When you go back to like, you break it down generationally, you know, you have, you have boomers uh, like, like my parents who worked extremely hard their entire lives and saved and saved. I mean, we, um, I remember we would rarely go out to eat as a family and and if we did, it would be something like going to <laughs> going to the Sizzler or uh, right. or Applebee's or something, and not not high end food. And we would never, you know, we get there, we never get pop or whatever you call it in in California. Uh, we would, 
Yeah. So <laughs> you call it pop? Soda? Yes. Soda. Uh, it's, it's the correct term is pop. Uh, but anyway, uh, we would get water. You know, my sister and I would be like, oh, can we get, can we get a pop? Can we get a pop? We're like, no, that's too much money. And, and like, that's how we lived. You know, we would, um, yeah. we would go, we'd go to garage sales. We would, um, you know, I remember getting made fun of in, in grade school because I wore cheap Walmart shoes and not Nikes. And, uh, and, and it's like, we, we, we lived like we were very, very poor, even though we weren't because my parents were saving for retirement. And so they saved for years, for decades, um, and, and, uh, planned out and they, you know, they have the financial advisors saying, okay, you've got enough money that, uh, based on our projections, you'll be able to retire at this year and, and be able to live with, you know, having this much money every, every month. And that, that'll be enough for retirement. And that's, that's basically every boomer who is, has saved their money and, and for retirement. And now they retired and it's like, actually, that's not enough money. You need more money to, to live off of. So you're going to have to go back to work. And a lot of them are, are that's, that's happened to them where they're, they're having to go back to work at 70 something years old or older and even part-time in order to pay their bills. Right. And, and so like that affects them. I mean, that's when you talk about radicalization, that's, that's a big one. I mean, you look at these, these, the two guys, the FBI executed this last month that work for, for, uh, fed posting. And does, I mean, they're old retired men. And so are, are the, you know, the financial, uh, is the financial destruction of our country that is currently ongoing. Is that part of what has radicalized them and just pushed them over the edge? I, I think probably. Right. Yeah. And but so, so, so like, I have friends that are my age, like, let's say, let's say you're 35 and like, I live in California. So like, let's say they're making like $150,000 a year working at Apple or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so they're not really experiencing any economic pain. They could basically like live a pretty leisurely lifestyle. Like yeah. what, what would cause those people to become radicalized and to really think in political terms because they're living their best life now. Right. You know, yeah. especially in California, um, you know, it's, it's a good place to be making all the tech money, you know, like I don't, Oh yeah. I mean, and maybe, and they're, they're basically grill Americans. Like they're like sponges. Yeah. They just absorb narratives. Like that's all they do. Oh, yeah. They live their life absorbing yeah. the next sports thing or the next, you know, whatever medical thing. And they just go from thing to yeah. current thing to current thing, Ukraine war, like whatever, like those are grill Americans in a lot of ways too. And they vote for Trump because he's a part of the GOP. Like they just, yeah. you know, th those people, I, like, what would it take to get them radicalized? <laughs> Those yeah, are the I real it's, Americans. Yeah, I think it's when one hundred and fifty thousand dollars um, is not enough to live well, right? Yeah. When it's when it is. I mean, that's not a lot in California either. <laughs> no, I was going to say no, no. I mean, even really anywhere in the country for a ho for household income, like if that's if that's yeah. your household income is one hundred fifty k. If you live in like the Twin Cities in Minnesota, um, you know five years ago, that would be huge. You could live where, you know, in whatever house you wanted to. Um, but now uh, you, you can't, I mean, the, like the, the median house price is, is something like, you know, five or $600,000 in, in a metro mm -hmm. area. Um, and that's for kind of like a starter home, you know, it's not for a big Nick mansion or something. And, and, and so I think some of it is, is, you know, housing, um, you know, when you have, Hundreds of millions of illegal immigrants. I, I always make this argument with my friends that are in, in real estate and, and in, in, in finance. They're like, oh, no, that doesn't have legal immigration doesn't have an effect on the housing market at all. And I'm like, how could it possibly not? What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> of course it does. Like those people have to live somewhere and it it bids up all the all the costs of the lower income housing. 
And so it pushes everybody up further up the food chain to find something, something else. And there's mm -hmm. a limited quantity of housing. And, and so it, it does have an effect, right? And so housing is, has, has entered almost this crisis stage where, especially with interest rates, I don't know how people can afford to, to buy a home. Um, I saw, you know, we were, I saw something on Twitter recently that basically just said that most of the new mortgages right now are people buying their third and fourth homes. Yeah. To Airbnb, you know, to rent them out for yeah. Airbnb and things like that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like the, it's, it's, it's like the, uh, the big short meme with the, uh, you know, uh, the actor who played Michael Scott saying there was, you know, people were buying third and fourth homes and you didn't think there was a bubble. Uh, you know, like, yeah, of course, of course there is. Uh, so th that bubble has to pop, but, but nevertheless, like I, I, I think with inflation and if there is, if there is significant inflation, I mean, I mean, there has, I mean, there has been significant inflation in the last three years, but I, I'm talking like you get your paycheck and get right away type inflation, like, like Argentina or, or, or Brazil or, or, or whatever, um, or, or Weimar where you got to spend it the day you get it. And otherwise everything, the cost of everything's going to double the next day. Right. Um, and so you, you think like it has to almost enter something like that. And, and I, I think it maybe will, right. When you, when you have trillions of dollars that suddenly comes due, how are they going to pay for it? Right. How are they going to pay for these? That all they can do is just is print money. So I, I think there there's economic devastation ahead. And it's fun. You know, my, my wife, she listens to all our episodes and she gets really worried about this stuff. Like, how are we going to survive? What's going to happen? And um, I'm like, well, we will survive. <laughs> Whatever comes, we'll survive. Um, but I think a lot, for a lot of your, your normie grill American types, when, when that type of devastation hits, it, they'll come undone. Right. So yeah, if you're making 150 K and, and have a comfortable, good life, and suddenly you don't anymore. Suddenly now you're in poverty, even though you have a, a good middle-class job. Uh, what happens? What, how do those people take it? I don't think, I don't think you can just be like, Oh, this is, this is fine. Oh, we yeah. we're eating rice and beans. We used to eat steak every night. And now we're eating rice and beans uh, and ramen. Um, you know, who are they going to blame? That's the, that's the question. Who, yeah. who are they going to point their fingers at? Like, that's, that's the yeah. question. Like, it, I don't know. Like, um, it's not really radicalization to just blame Biden. Like, like I see all the people like, and I, I get it. Like they blame Biden and the Democrats, right? The, the Democrat party. Like, no, this, this is like, this is the machine that's a, yeah. against you. This is the, this is the totality of the American power elite. It, yeah. Like it, it's, it's a little bit cliche to say it's both parties or it's a uniparty, but it really is. This is it's a, a true a cliche. Yeah. Machine. This is a machine, and it's like it set all of its energy and angst against you. Like that's what this yeah. is. And so, yeah. voting Trump is um is not like ultimately voting for the GOP is not like the way out. That's not radicalization. Yeah. That's not yeah. radicalization. So no, no, exactly. And I, I think um, yeah. What what would it take? Um, I I think people have to come to the realization that that the GOP is 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 just as bad as as the Democrats that they have to understand that it, it is one party I think you know this this election here where if they <clears throat> the way it's lining up I think 
is that they'll they'll throw Trump off the ballot in many of these primaries, and um, or they'll, they'll allow him to be elected, but they they won't allow his his delegates to vote for him at the convention. And they'll mm-hmm. have a they will they'll have a brokered convention, and they'll put someone like Tim Scott uh, or mm-hmm. Nikki Haley or Mike Pence mm-hmm. in, and <clears throat> that I think would be a step toward the radicalization of many of these people, um, because they'll see they they just voted for Trump. He, the, the government, the, the regime is trying to, is going to put him away in prison for the rest of his life. And, um, and they have nobody, they have nobody, right. They just have their, the GOP went right back to the way it always was. And like, I think that will serve that purpose, you know, very well. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, at, at, after that, like, wh- where did they go? What do they do? Um, yeah. Who, you know, I, I was, I had a conversation with my parents explaining this to my parents, like, this is what's going to happen. And, and they, you know, they, they, they're like, I mean, like how you described your mom, um, they, they don't quite understand what is going on and what is at stake. Like they, they think, oh, well, there's some, there's some nice things about Nikki Haley. Like she seems really nice. Like, no, no, she's a witch. She's evil. <laughs> uh, she's like, what? You know? And, and, and so it's like, no, uh, I think some some of them will just will go back to pre twenty fifteen GOP and keep voting for the GOP no matter what. And I said like, no, if they throw Trump off the ballot or if they they refuse to allow him to win the nomination, even though he's clearly going to, unless uh, unless they do something, um, I'm never voting for the GOP for president again. Why would I? Why would I? I mean, maybe you know, maybe Vivek uh, takes up the mantle for Trump, but I, he's not someone I think you could trust. Um, yeah, he seems like he seems like he is just going to say whatever he needs to say. I mean, he's running the campaign that that Ron DeSantis should have run, where mm-hmm. you don't attack Trump, you just you just say you you agree and you amplify you or you you go further to his right. It's like, yeah, yeah. the things are bad, Donald Trump, and you didn't do enough, and I'm going to do even more. Uh, I'm going to put all these people in jail, and you never yeah. did. Like that's what that's the campaign that DeSantis should have run, and he failed, and he's he's. You know he'll he'll be out of the campaign by March, um, unless they get rid of Trump, and so it seems like that's what the GOP is banking on. Like all the debate last week that that happened after we recorded, um, like that's what they're arguing over is who's going to be the person that that wins by default, right? That's that's what they're trying to figure out. Is Trump's yeah. not going to be here, and one of us is going to be the candidate by default. Uh, to mm-hmm. lose to to Biden or Newsom or whoever they put in, so um, yeah, I I don't I don't know I don't know if there is so uh, so right enough radicalization right now. right now it can do happen. You, do you think it's politically politically possible for Trump to win, or do you think they're just going to shut it down? Um, I I want to say that it is. I mean, even I mean, it's it's so hard because it's not normal. It's not the typical like if it, if if this were twenty fifteen yeah my question is I'd be like oh my, you know my question looking at the polling if, you know yeah if he's electorally possible I'm not asking if he's electorally mm-hmm. I'm asking if he's politically like you know because at the end of the day people in power will choose you know I think yeah. twenty sixteen was a complete fluke yeah it know? was an aberration yeah yeah twenty sixteen definitely I, was and. Um, I agree with Tucker. Actually, he went on. Um, I mean, even when he, he interviewed Trump, he brought this up. He's like, if if they aren't able to jail you or don't you aren't you worried that they're going to try to kill you? 
And then he went on, I think Adam Carolla's show, mm-hmm. uh, Tucker was, um, and, and said, I think they're going to kill him. I, th- I think, mm-hmm. I think if, if it comes to that, they'll, they will have to kill him because like, like you said, like electorally, like things are bad. People know that things are bad at this point in, uh, 20, you know, 19, uh, Trump versus Biden, like the polling was, it was neck and neck. Right. Um, it was, they were within like 1% of each other. And right now Trump has a 10 point lead on Biden. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, all that, that whole calculus could change if they put in Newsom or something, but, but I mean, just looking at like your typical pretending that the system is real, you know, polling data and, and basing it on that is, is, I mean, what for one is foolhardy, but just looking at it like electorally, like if it was just a straight up election and there wasn't any of the fortification, oh, he would win. He would, he would win by a lot actually, I think. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's part of the reason why they're doing what they're doing. They know that they are weak. They know that they're incredibly unpopular and it, will they be able to do all the fortification that they did last time? Maybe, maybe not. Um, I think they're going to try to do the lockdowns again. It seems like, it seems like it's going that way. Um, I mean, sure where you are. I mean, I, I noticed this, um, you know, yesterday I was in the twin cities and I they saw way more people in masks than yeah, I have what is going, in a long what's, time. What's going on with that? Is the narrative out? I haven't even I haven't even seen anything. Yeah. Is the narrative yeah, you've been, out there you've again? Been offline? Yeah, yeah. Well, but like it is. Yeah, it is. is the, it's the like Canadian CNN, variant. Yeah, is, they're pushing yeah, so it. This, oh, okay, they're pushing it. Jeez, that's crazy. They're pushing it, and I, so I think what you know, you push the narrative, and then when you know flu season comes in the winter people are all going to go get tested again and you're going to get all of the false positives you got every, you know, the last time around. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to get the data that they need to justify lockdowns and they'll go ahead and do that. And they will, they'll create the conditions that they had in 2020 again this year and be able to do all the fortification they did in, in 2020. I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious the playbook at this point. And people are like, Oh, they're not going to do that again. No way. No. And it's like, why wouldn't they? Yeah. Right. Why wouldn't they do it? Uh, <laughs> of course they're going to do it again, but especially if you incentivize, um, you know, if you incentivize getting tested and testing positive and getting free two free weeks off, right. People are going to, yeah, you get the sniffles and you're going to go and have, have them jam the thing in your nose again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of, course, of course they're going to. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think, I think, I think it's going to happen. Uh, and there was like, I think Alex Jones and a few other people that are you know kind of on the, on the fringes, reported you know different contracts and things that um regarding um yeah you know uh you know different uh different contracts that would uh that i mean maybe these were baked in you know a year ago that are coming to fruition now for for masks and and emergency medical equipment and things like that um but it seems like you know it it seems like they're going to run the same playbook one, one more time and and that will be That'll be kind of a tell. I mean, you'll have you'll have a place like Florida where DeSantis, I think, will be will do everything in his power to to sort of subvert that. But it's it's very limited, right? It's it's not like he can make all of the all of the national businesses that have their their corporate policies making people wear masks in their stores again. He can't tell them they can't. I mean, maybe they could pass a law and, and, and ban it. I well, I mean. I think certain state governors, like uh, what's her face, Huckabee, Sarah Huckabee, she was saying that um, they're going to make it illegal in their state to do that. So, 
we'll see yeah, how that yeah, works. They, that'll be that'll they be should. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, it'll be. A, I mean, it'd be an interesting federal case law too. But I think, I think that um, they they're running. They're going to run the same playbook again. Um, they will. They'll be able to do a lot of the fortification and and because really all we see in twenty twenty, all it took was a couple metro areas in like six states in order to to swing the election by just like a you know like a fraction of a percent, mm-hmm. right? That's all it took is having a hundred and fifty percent voter turnout in a few precincts, right? Yeah. That's really all it took in in Milwaukee and Arizona and things like that, right? It does it doesn't the whole like. Oh, there was a there was the Kraken, and it was the you know the Delta Force took a server in Germany, and they were the they were the Dominion was uh, changing all the votes. It's like, well, maybe that stuff happened. I don't know, but it does that doesn't really matter. It's the yeah. fact that you can ha- legally harvest ballots in in all these different states. That's enough to swing an election right there. So you yeah. don't need any of the kind of sci-fi you know fantasy stuff that that people really bought into. And I th- actually I think that that narrative probably was planted to make the genuine, you know, stuff look just as ludicrous. Mm-hmm. Right? I think, I think that's part of, of it. Course. Like they of course. wanted to, it's what they do. Um, they, do they think, let people do you run. Think, um, what's her name? Powell. What's, what was her name? Yeah. Sydney, Sydney Powell. Yeah. Do you think she was like an agent? Like, I don't know. She, she was, was charged in, she was charged in Fulton County yeah, but, with Trump. Yeah. But um, do you think anything's going to come out of that? Well, yeah, maybe maybe she testified. I don't you know. know. I mean, part of the a, part of the charges of all these lesser people is they want to roll these people right. so they testify against Trump, mm-hmm. right? So they want like Jenna Ellis and Sidney Powell and Mark Meadows and all of these people who who have to pay you know hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal fees. So they'll say, well, we'll we'll drop the charges if you agree to testify. Yeah, and that's that's the game that they play with this stuff. And yeah. so yeah, so if she does, then it's like okay, yep, she was. Um, yeah. So I like she I she brought out so much of a distraction, like her entire oh, no. thing. It was weird. Lynn, it was Lynn weird. Wood like, and, yeah, yeah. Lynn Wood. Like thinking about it, it's like it was really weird moment in political history. Like it just you just get this yeah. weird feeling that the whole thing was fake. You yeah, know? You, you definitely. Like, it was. Um, and it and, and what it did is it distracted a lot of the the you know the Q boomers. It distracted them and and. And instead of focusing on why, why weren't people allowed to watch the ballots be counted? Why wasn't there signature verification in these states, right? All of these, these votes should have been thrown out if you can't verify them. Why didn't that happen? Why were state, I mean, just like the, the simple thing that I, when I make the argument about the 2020 election is, I mean, I mean, some of it, maybe it's naive because yeah, I understand we don't have a constitution anymore. We don't have rule of law. Like I get all of that, but the United States Constitution is very clear that the state legislators are the only ones that can set the dates and times of elections. They're the only ones that can set election law. And in all of these states, in Arizona, in Michigan, Pennsylvania, um, in my state, Minnesota, the Democrat state secretaries of state were, were granted carte blanche to change the election law. They were able to say, yep, we're going to have three months and we're going to do um, anybody can get an absentee ballot and we'll mail them out to you. And oops, we mailed out a few hundred thousand without anybody asking. Oops. Um, and that's what they, that's what they did. It's totally illegal, totally unconstitutional. And there wasn't a single federal court that took up the case just on that point alone, where it's a clear violation of the constitution because they know 
they don't actually have any power, right? That's mm-hmm. the the thing. It's like the courts, judicial review, and all of that. It's just a fig leaf. And you see this with Biden, uh, the Biden administration, and the the student loan stuff, where the the courts have ruled you can't do this, and he's like. I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. You don't have, yeah. you know, you, you and what army, you know, it's, it's like uh Pompeius Magnus uh, uh, saying, don't quote laws to men with swords. Right. Yeah. That's, that is, that's what they're doing. And, and so the, the, the fatal conceit is the Supreme court has always known this. I mean, even in the, in the Bush v. Gore case, everyone thinks the Supreme court decided that election and they did not the, the same day they ruled, they ruled on it. Uh, the state of Florida, voted the Florida legislature voted to give their electoral votes to George W. Bush. Mm-hmm. And then, then the Supreme court ruled to make it, yeah. it, it. It's it's like, it was this post hoc uh, justification, like to give them a fig leaf to, of, of actual power and authority, right? They didn't want to do it until somebody else did. And it's, it's the same thing here, right? They, they know that their, their grasp of, of power is very tenuous, and so people are like, people are like, oh, well, if Trump gets convicted in these federal courts, the Supreme Court is going to to save him. And it's like, no, no, they won't, because you've got the Democrats and um, and the Biden administration who if they did something like that, if they took did something quite radical, like um, um, overturn Trump's convictions, immediately there would be more. Kentaji Brown Jackson's planted yeah. and installed in the Supreme. There'd be ten more of them put on the Supreme Court the next week. Mm-hmm. Right, that's that's what they would they would pack the court immediately. Right, that mm-hmm. would be their the Supreme Court's out of hand. We gotta we gotta rein it in, and we're gonna nominate more judges. Right, that's what they would do, and a bunch of Republicans in the Senate would go along with it. Right, mm-hmm. that's that's what would happen. So no, um, I don't think there's a a legal you know. <laughs> that we have that we could rely on the courts to save us. That's, that's not going to happen, but that, I mean, that, that's what you see with the election is like, there is very clear. Like if you just focus clearly on the things that were just objectively wrong, it's not, it wasn't a legitimate thing. It was, they, they violated the law clearly yeah. violated the law yeah. in all these cases. And, and, and so you have all the other stuff going on. Oh, we got the, we got dominion and they're doing all the, and, and then the Delta force roping into the server in Germany. And it's like, all of that was, was made to look the stuff I just said, look ludicrous, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's the whole point of it. And that's, I mean, that's the CIA invented the term conspiracy theory, right? They invented the term uh, because they want to plant misinformation out there. So yeah, it's with Sidney Powell, part of this or, or Lynn, Lynn Wood, maybe, I don't know, or, or an unwitting dupe too. That could be as well. Um, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe she was fed a bunch of fake information that looks legitimate that's, from intelligence. That's probable. Lynn you Wood know, seems and, more sketch than she does. Yeah. She seems legit. He seems like, she operator, seems like a true, you know, she, she seems like a true believer. Like she believes yeah. what she's saying. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So about maybe him, she though. got some secret classified documents from the CIA that right, says this is what right. happened. And it was all fake and yeah. she runs with it. Right. I think that's yeah. probably the most likely scenario. Uh, I agree. So yeah. Anyway, um, by the way, speaking of speaking of grill Americans, and we're going to get into the ADL and Twitter and stuff, but I just saw yeah, this yeah. tweet from what's Linda Yasserino, whatever her name is. The oh, new Yacarino. She's yeah. like, sports is now the number one topic on X, generating 85,000 impressions of content every second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, That's what they want. They want sports to be done. Yeah. What a crossover. Topic. 
right what a crossover from it's, from topics here you know yeah it's like, like yeah. oh like she says this sports, in her huh? in her uh mitt romney voice like you know we're a huge fan <laughs> of sports ball over here we, yeah, we spend yeah. a lot of time watching sport yeah please watch more sport uh, we would like that. Do not talk about politics. Do not talk about your population being demographically replaced. No, 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 no. Talk about. All right. Let's talk, talk about, about let's talk about the meeting that X had with the ADL. They came, yeah, so they the, came to came to terms. The anti-white hate group, the a- ADL, um, the yes. vicious, evil anti-white hate group, the ADL. Uh, yeah, they meet with they meet with the new CEO of X and. Uh, and basically, they outline a plan to uh, censor speech. And a lot of people saw this and they're like, oh, big band waves are coming. They're going to ban everybody. I don't know. I mean, they might do that. They, that's always on the table. I think what they'll do is is they'll continue. They'll, they'll, they'll continue to shadow ban people. They'll continue to um, stifle, stifle them and, and use the, you know, use AI and use algorithms to. Uh, make it so nobody sees what you say. I mean, you see this with Musk when he says, you know, freedom of speech doesn't mean freedom of reach. Mm-hmm. And so I think it, it, it's, it's one thing. It's like, if you ban people, they are, they're just going to keep making new accounts and mm-hmm. keep coming back. I think that this, you that know? radicalizes people. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like where that, you're not really. allowed to say anything, yeah. but if you're, but if you are still allowed to be on the site, but you just shout into the void, and mm-hmm. maybe, you know, 10% of, of people um, that would have seen what you had to say um, that otherwise would have, you know, you, you say you make a, you make a tweet and you get a hundred thousand impressions normally on it. Like a ton of people see it instead. They'll make it so that you're, you're limited at 10,000 or whatever, you know, some, some arbitrary number where, and it's only the people that are already radicalized like you are. Right, only the people that already agree with you. Anyway, it's not anybody, any other new audience that sees your stuff. Like that's that's what they want. I think mm-hmm. like they're 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 shrewd enough to understand this, where it's like, oh, you can keep posting all you want, but the only people that are going to see it are the people in your own little ghetto. Right, that's mm-hmm. that's what they want. They don't want any. They want to bottle up the ideas and keep them hermetically sealed so that it, they don't get any exposure anywhere else. So then you keep posting, and you keep your account, and nobody sees it. Right. That that's more ideal than than anything else. I think that's that's probably what they're going to do. And and I think really what they are doing, like I've I've noticed on Twitter that that I don't my impressions and everything else are weighed down. A lot of a lot of friends have said the same thing, that people fewer people are seeing stuff. I mean, maybe maybe my posts are just not very good. Uh, but uh, lately, maybe maybe I've lowered my quality and I got to you know, kick it up a notch. But um, I think I think that's what that's what the plan is going forward. Yeah. And. Um, you're, I, I think we're never going to see the internet like we saw it in 2015 and 2016, mm-hmm. you know, really ever, ever again. Right. They, I mean, we talked earlier, we, we, you, you mentioned CJ that, you know, 20, 20, 2016, as far as an election was this outlier. And I think a big reason why is because the memes and the meme videos and the, the energy that existed online, um, they weren't able, they didn't have adequate infrastructure to stifle it. And yeah. so you, you I, Donald Trump got elected because of, because of Twitter and because of, of, of people, you know, the online right uh, boosting mm-hmm. him and, 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 you know, making hilarious memes and things like, because of Ricky Vaughn, 
right? Um, there's a reason yeah. why they put Ricky Vaughn in prison. And it wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't because of some arcane 1860s law. It was yeah. like, they'll find any just, I, I saw somebody wrote about this. Maybe it was Fisher King or some, someone else like that, where after the financial crisis, um, where, I mean, there was just unreal amount of malfeasance and fraud and, and evil stuff that happened in 2008, and 2009, you know, the department of justice. And, and it was like, well, our hands are tied. There's nothing we could do. We don't really have any laws to address what these people did. And then you look at Trump or you look at Ricky Vaughn and they're reaching into like Rico statutes used for the mob. They're, they're going back to like, you know, 1860s laws, you know, to deal with the KKK and try and just trying to find yeah. this tiny little penumbra where it's like, Oh, maybe this covers that we'll, we'll use it. And they, they were yeah. successful with Ricky and laws and downstream actually, from power. Yeah. Laws they will use any power. possible mm-hmm. justification they can to put someone away in prison forever. Uh, they don't, they don't need, they don't need um, a good case. They can do it. And, and, and the contrary is true as well. Right. If they don't want someone to go to prison, they can make sure they don't. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you said, laws downstream for power. And and this idea, this very um, post-war consensus American idea that, oh, we just have rule of law and the, the law applies to everyone equally. And what a great system we have. Isn't it so nice? Like that is a fiction. It doesn't exist. Yeah. We don't have Inci- that. Incidentally, this is also the problem with like most like conservative evangelicals. They think that power power is like subsidiary to law. Like they think that we yeah. live in a constitutional order because the law is preeminent over power and it restrains power. Um, they have things completely backwards. They don't realize yeah. that the law is something that's interpreted. Its exceptions are defined and its parameters are um, you know seen and defined by those in power. Power is yeah. always the decision maker. I mean, this is the lesson of yeah. Carl Schmidt. This is also a lesson of people like, you know, Rick. Oh no, Hunter you brought up Carl Schmidt. Oh no. And, oh. And no. Uh, Thomas Hawk. I mean, this is this is the, yeah. the this is this is the this has always been the dynamic of of the relationship between power yeah. and law. You know, law it's, it's is obvious. something that that it's created by and interpreted by the sovereign. You know, the sovereign is the yeah. one who's still in the state of nature and he determines where the boundaries are. Um, yeah. conservative evangelicals do not understand this at all. No, no, and it's and it's really sad. I mean, you see the you see the stuff with like the you know the G three guys and all this. You were you weren't online really this week, but there was a lot of you know a lot of that. Like they uh, they went after Charles Haywood, uh, our our friend, and uh, and it is it's just comical, you know, because like Charles gets this. And and is is so articulate and 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 well reasoned and very good at explaining this stuff to to people, and they're they're reading and engaging with him and and it's like, it's like he's talking to a you know to a nine year old, you know like yeah. they just are like what what do you mean power it seems like you're obsessed with power and it's like <laughs> dude, they're put they they put a guy in prison for ten years for memes they yeah, so, they're so trying to put the president of the United States in prison right now like. What do you mean, Pat? Like they have all the power and they're gonna destroy us. Like, one what of are those you guys about one of those guys responded to one of my tweets by saying, Look, stop using the word regime. Regime is not something that democracies use. <laughs> I'm like, man, you are living in a completely different world than I am. You know, like oh, we, my regime is something that's relegated to you know South American dictators, not not American democracy. American democracy yeah, doesn't our... use regime. The the government represents us. The government represents we the people. 
It's like, dude, you are living yeah. in nineteen seventies. Like, yeah, what is going on? Go back to seventh grade civics, buddy. Like, come on. Like, that's that's not the world we live in anymore. How do you? How do? You, and some of these people, like, they're gonna go. I mean, it'll be right up until the moment the FBI comes to their door to take them away to the gulag. That they'll be like, but our democracy, our democracy. What? I just I just read through my pocket constitution, and yeah. this is not allowed. You know, I, I remember I, exactly. I remember in the seventies and eighties. Um, what was his name? Robert Higgs, like the libertarian scholar. He yeah. had his yeah. he had his thesis about why capital investment in America was down, and he used the phrase regime uncertainty because you know yeah. things were sort of like um, heated and chaotic, and, and, and capitalists didn't want to invest in long term growth. And yeah. in in Paul Krugman's entire response to his thesis was, "Well, we live in a democracy, so there's no regime uncertainty. That's that's a, a mismatched phrase, and it's just like that's the same mentality that yeah. like most conservative like boomer cons have. It's like, well, a regime yeah, is agree a with Paul Krugman. phrase to our system. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the extent of their that's, analysis. They do agree with Paul Krugman. Like they 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 they, they have the same first principles mm-hmm. as him." That we have this, we have this constitutional democracy, and it's still really good. Like that's, that's the thing, and, it, and it's hilarious because you have these people. They'll they'll attack us. You're idolizing power. You're making power an idol, and it's like you talk about the U.S. Constitution that way, right? <laughs> and, and you treat the United States Constitution like a sacrosanct, and it's inviolable, and you can't you can't criticize it. You can't say like, well, maybe we'll have to do things outside the Constitution at some point. Um, no, well, yeah, we can't do that. that. That's another important point too. I think it was James White who was like, "We live in a post-constitutional order," uh, yeah. and someone said, "Well, then we need post-constitutional remedies." I mean, that's a really yeah. good point. I mean, that's a really yeah. good way of saying about it. But we're not allowed to say that. We're allowed no. to say the, the Constitution is being subverted or whatever, but we can't say we have to respond to that with the tools that are appropriate to the time of day it is. I know. I know. It's like it's 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 so comical, but I think. I think a lot of it is, is people will refuse to admit reality so long. I mean, it goes back to the grill American question, mm-hmm. right? They'll, they'll refuse to admit reality as so long as they, they physically materially can, right? So everything could be burning down around them and they'll say, this is fine as, as long as they can, right? They mm-hmm. will refuse because, because it brings them a lot of comfort to think, oh, we have this constitutional democracy and and things will go back to normal once they get rid of Trump, right? That's kind of the standard grill American. I mean, maybe not the grill American. I mean, I, we're, we're collapsing a lot of things into each other, but the 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 standard kind of normie opinion is, oh, this was all just because of Trump, right? Mm-hmm. If, they, if they get rid of Trump, things will go back to normal. And it's like, no, no, Trump is a reaction to things not being normal. That's the point is we've undergone this cultural revolution for 50 or 60 years and it reached its, its Zenith under Obama and the things that Obama did, especially in his second term. And and that is, you know, Trump being the reaction to that is, is, is precisely what happened, right? Mm -hmm. If there wasn't a Trump, there would have been somebody else probably coming along, maybe, maybe Tucker or whomever we don't, who knows? Um, It it is, it, it, people, refuse to admit what what is happening and so yeah it's cool to see james white you know say yep that's what's going on and um and so i think some people will, will start to get it i'm 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 not so pessimistic that i think that that nobody will i mean i look at the g3 people and all of that like they're kind of just puppets for this michael o'fallon character 
Um, and so they're just mouthpieces for him. Like the one that, that Josh Boyce did is clear that like James Lindsay did all the research for him, like going back into Charles Haywood's Goodreads reviews and, and mining them for scary quotes. Like did Josh <laughs> Boyce really do all that work? No, no. Like James Lindsay gave <laughs> yeah. him notes and said, go, go right and go, go attack him. Uh, it's obvious. I, I love when on. they, I love whenever they attack Charles, I'm always like, wait, the shampoo guy, <laughs> you guys are scared of yeah. the shampoo guy. <laughs> They're scared of my shampoo guy. Uh, yeah, that's, that's it. Like they, they attack him and, and, and they, it's funny. They attack him because like, they can't cancel him. They're not going to take, they're not going like, to, yeah. he's not going to yeah. lose his job. Um, right. And so all they're doing is boosting him. Like, I can't tell you how many people are like, I had never heard of this Haywood guy before until G3 yeah. started attacking him. Or like, and, and I'm watching his videos. He's great. What, what was oh, the, yeah, Salon, guard, the guardian? Um, yeah. There were a bunch of them. Yeah, they're a bunch of all on the same day. I know. I was like, dude, this guy's pretty cool. I like this guy. <laughs> he's great. He's my guy. I've been reading yeah, him for years. I've been reading him for years. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's great. Yeah. And I'm I'm glad he's finally getting, you know, wi widespread exposure because of these idiots attacking him. Yeah. And, so and and that's, they're all that, that's really they're it. All great endorsements. That's all they are. Yeah. Well, let's like I see the yeah, I see the reply, like the, the interaction with Charles and, and Charles could be kind of abrasive sometimes, you know, and, and maybe that's the pot calling the black, yeah. but, but yeah, exactly. You have to be online. Like that's the way it works. And he, um, and, and he's just like, what you, you aren't understanding what, I, like, it, it, they're just talking right past him. And they, yeah. he's, he lays out a reasonable explanation of what he says. He's like, I don't want there to be collapse. I don't want right. there to be violence and disorder and and, and civil war and destruction. I'm not yeah, asking or, for that. I I don't or, want that at all. Or authoritarianism. It's not like we were sitting around peacefully yeah. all day, like in like you know in a, in a peaceful idyllic scene, and then all of a sudden we're like, we want a Protestant Franco. Like that's not yeah. how politics works, and they just come. They they can't see that at all. But but that's what it is. Is like they think it's 1980. And we have, you know, uh, this Reaganite America. You're like, like Mike Pence talks about in the Republican debate last week. It's like, oh, we need a government as good as its people. And then Vivek is like, what are you talking about? It's not morning yeah. in America. It's bad out there. What? Yeah. You, what on earth? It is so bad. And you, you're acting like, oh, we just need to rearrange the deck chairs in the Titanic. It'll be good. And, and that, that's the way these people think is that. We have this peaceful constitutional republic. It's a well-ordered society. Things are fine. Things, there's a few things that are bad. Yeah, the, the drag queen story hour is not good, but we could just you know make a, a quick little legal fix and that'll that'll deal with those problems. We'll just we we we'll deal with it within the constitutional framework and things will go back to normal. And then you have you have you know our friend Josh Abatoy saying we need a Protestant Franco. <laughs> and they're like, what? No, that's insane. That's totally radical and crazy. Because they they cannot conceptualize what is actually occurring. Exactly. They have no idea. Exactly. They have they 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 think it's they think it's 1980. They think it's mm -hmm. 1990. They they don't know the time of day, and so they they see this stuff and they don't they don't recognize what what is what's happening. It's 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 it's. I mean, it would be comical if it wasn't so sad. Really? What is the um, what is the phrase? Was it Lenin who is like who's just basically said that um, you know you can't convince people to change their ideology when they're like their paycheck depends on their ideology, you know? I think it's Mark Twain, maybe. I mean, it's, a, it's no, it wasn't Mark Twain. Phrase. No, yeah, yeah no. I mean, it's you can't you you can't uh, 
it's it's impossible to convince something someone of something when their when their paycheck relies on them not getting it. Not getting it, right? Yeah. Is the is like the twain. I think it's twain. I mean, somebody somebody in the comments can correct us who it, the the where the quote is actually derived from. But that's that's true. Like they're paid to yeah. not get it. Like, exactly. yeah. they're, they're not going to get yeah, it until they get paid by somebody else. They're paid to reinforce and bolster the narrative. That's what they're paid to do. Yeah, and that's that brings us to another, um, you know, another. We're just going through CJ's greatest hits this week uh, on on online. Uh, but an, another tweet, and it, it plays right into it, is you know, CJ said, "Christianity in the West has been thoroughly and systematically longhoused." It functions to psychologically reinforce the most basic instincts of the regime's preferred and model citizen. Christians have been subverted at a hegemonic level, and they have no clue. And so I don't know if you're thinking of the G3 people when you wrote that. Maybe you were, but it, it goes well beyond them. It isn't like we just want to pick on them. Um, yeah. So what do, you, what do you mean by that? You know, explain yeah, no, that for us. Yeah, I think, I think that Christianity... Like, because, because I think this is particular to American history. I think the regime sets itself, it postures itself in the rhetoric and phraseology of our Christian past. And oh, yeah. the, and, and like in the Christian masses in America haven't recognized that revolution. And so they're mm -hmm. starting to see their religion as basically um, supportive of whatever goes on in America, whatever goes on. And, and so they've been completely yeah. domesticated. They have like an HR lady mindset about every, all their religious. They can't think in terms of, um, of confrontation. They can't think in terms of like the world being full of like actual enemies. They just, they can only use phrases like, you know, love and compassion and all those things, which are leveraged and employed for regime purposes. Right. So all aspects of Christianity at a mass level is basically supportive of of um, letting the regime do what it needs to do. That's kind of what I see as Christianity's role. Um, it has no yeah. willingness to stand up to it in a confrontational way because that would require masculinity. That would require a degree of vitalism, a degree of courage that Christians have been completely emptied of in the West. And so I think that, uh, you know, Christianity is basically like uh, like a post hoc rationalization of American democratic uh, endeavors. Yeah. Yeah. And and so, you know, maybe some I mean, the majority of our listeners already know what the longhouse is, but there's probably some that don't. So, you know, when you use the phrase longhoused, right, what does that mean? Let's back up just a little bit. Um, what is what is what is the longhouse? Yeah, no, I, I think I think what I mean by that is Christianity has basically just been shoved into the parameters of how the regime wants people to live. Like that's yeah. where the grill Americans are. You know, they live at yeah. the behest of the HR lady. They're overseen by that smarmy, scolding, um, you know, teacher that that uh, with that with that kid, you know, who had the don't oh, yeah. on me yeah. patch. Like that, she's just like um, symbolic of, of the regime, just like lecturing, scolding eyes because you said something offensive and, you know, you weren't, you know, cautious about, you know, whose toes you were stepping on. You just have this completely like feminized and domesticated uh, culture and Christianity. That's what the longhouse is, right? But that's basically what the longhouse is. You live, you're domesticated. You live, you live yeah. under the reign of the matriarch. And that's what Christianity yeah. sort of become. It's, it's been shoved into this longhouse paradigm. Yeah, and, and you see that. I mean, I, I remember this, you know, acutely in, in college and being in, in K 
campus ministry mm-hmm. and well campus everything worst. <laughs> yeah it was it was i mean it was it was really a good cross section of what evangelicalism is like as a whole yeah and everything that we did i mean i was in in leadership and i remember having meetings all the time about planning events and things like that and oh, and yeah. the question always was but what would the girls think well, we, you know, if you do this event and it seems like that's geared toward men that you, the thing you want to do, Andrew, um, and, and you're not going to like, you won't have any girls that'll show up for this thing. And I remember being like, wait, there's girls in college. <laughs> you're like, what? yeah, it's like, yeah. I, I remember thinking like, okay. Uh, and your point, like I, I want to do a thing yeah. for guys. <laughs> I can't do that. Um, so what, I mean, cause every, everything was geared toward, uh, appeasing and satisfying the young women and yeah, it's um it was it's like i remember we wanted to have like a, a football game one time where we just play a pickup football game and it's like well you really need to do something co-ed because it feels like you're leaving the women out and yeah. you know we don't the girls need to be involved in some way and i'm like no i want to do things for guys because then guys will want to come you know we mm-hmm. we don't have enough guys we need more men we need more young men. We we need to do things that they want to do. No, we can't do that. That's 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 really that's kind of sexist uh, to do that. And, and it's like that that was and, and I, I saw that like that's and everywhere else really, virtually everywhere else, uh, that's the way the church operates. And mm-hmm. you you see you know the average pastor, right? He knows he can't preach on certain topics because it will upset the women in the congregation. Mm-hmm. Right. If he, 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 he doesn't even have to think about it. Right. That's part of it, too. It's not even like a conscious thing at this point where they, they just know there are roads you can't go down. There are things you cannot talk about because this will upset the women. Mm-hmm. We can't we can't do that. And so it's 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 sublimated. It isn't even conscious. It's it's just it is almost part of their DNA to be as bland and inoffensive as possible. And I mean, you look at, you look at um, early America, you look at the Reformation, you look at really the history of Christianity, and that's not the way the church was at all, right? You had men that led like men and said things that needed to be said and were bold and, and actually led their people. And that is gone. I mean, you even like you look at the churches themselves, the households that they have, um, most of the people in, in a congregation, in, you, like a big evangelical church, most of the men there um, are not leading their households. They go to church because their their wives want them to, right? Mm-hmm. They're they're dragged along to church. They're not they're not the ones saying, "Honey, we're going to this church because I like the preaching and I like what they're saying." That's not that's not how the religious landscape shakes out in America. It's I like this one that makes me feel good, and you know the. The music is so nice, and I like the programs that they have for the kids. Oh and yeah, we're gonna that, go. Yeah. We're gonna go. We're gonna go to this church because of that, and it, that's what drives everything. Mm-hmm. Is the model is you create programs, you have preaching, you have worship, all see, to accommodate women. But see, this is reflective of a general cultural shift. Everybody yeah. knows that the women in the household spend the most money. That's why all yeah. the consumption and the ads are focused on the things that. Uh, that they have priorities for um this is the yeah. so it's 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 literally longhouse because it's literally a mirror image yeah. of what's happening culturally at large you yeah know, so it's, absolutely it's the same phenomenon it's the same phenomenon you see, and you see it with like like 
um, the dirty little secret of TGC, I mean, TG, the gospel coalition, you know, is, is in major decline now. They don't, you know, get any views and, and they're kind of dead. But when it was in its heyday, I mean, it's being funded by all the big publishers like Crossway and, and, you know, Thomas Nelson and, and all of those. And they know that 90% of the books that they sell are being purchased mm -hmm. by women. Mm -hmm. And so all of the, all of the rhetoric that they would employ on these sites, all of the, um, everything is geared toward women, mm -hmm. all of it. That was that at, at the very base, cause they're trying to sell books and that's, that's how you do it is you market everything to the women to make them feel good and feel, you know, feel, uh, happy and fulfilled and, and, and you, you're never are going to use, you know, strong language right not even like curse words but like just direct rhetorical statements you you're never going to do that and it's, it's 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 that's the reason why is because the society is totally feminized and it is it is at the the whims and, and behest of, of of women and so how do you change that right i don't i i don't know i don't know that's the question um i mean i think some of it is i mean i'm not a, a populist or a a a bottom up, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't believe in democracy. I don't think you, you could just change it from the bottom up and, and have this kind of grassroots campaign to, to change it. But at the same time, it, it has to be in your own life and in your own household. You have to, you have to do it yourself, right? Because you're not going to, there, there's not going to be some mass movement to push back against the longhouse, at least as things stand. I think, I think some of it goes back to the same question. Like they're, they're like, Charles Haywood, what he talks about that, that, that there is some kind of collapse that is imminent, mm -hmm. right. Within the next mm -hmm. five to 10 years. And, and it's not going to be pretty. It's going to be really bad. And like the, the long house won't be able to sustain itself for much mm -hmm. longer. I, I think like you're, you're going to enter a world that's very dangerous and very scary and a world where, where the natural order, you know, violently resets itself where it's going to be violent, cruel men that, that take things over and, and, and run things. And you will need men to be able to survive uh, what comes down um, in the, in, in the future. And that is, you know, that's what I think is going to happen. Like, I don't think there's some natural process or, or organic process to be able to, um, undo the subversion because it's, it's top down. It's, I mean, it is, it is enforced. I mean, a lot of it is enforced by the civil rights regime. Um, that's, that's a big part of it. Like how did, how did things get so long housed? It's well, it's, it's, you know, where did the HR lady come from? Right. That's not part of American life. You know, 200 years ago, you didn't have, you know, the, the, um, the Jamestown colony didn't bring over uh, HR ladies to, to Hector everyone and tell them they're being bad boys. Right. It's, it came from somewhere. Um, and, and it, it's, it's because power in, enforced it on us. And so how does that go away? I don't mm -hmm. know. I don't know. What are you, what are your thoughts? How do you think it goes away? What do we do? Yeah, no, I, I think when the, when the longhouse is set on fire just because of malfeasance and you mm -hmm. need the masculinity to return for survival purposes, that's when it heals itself. You know, I, yeah. I think, I think that that's, I think that there are, that they're just, just the, the longhouse is disordered. It's chaotic and something's going to get out of control and burn it down. And then you're no longer protected 
by the walls of the domesticated asylum where you were born and raised and you need someone to um you know uh, transcend that model and return to some sort of courageous vitality um and i think that's when that's how it happens you have to have the collapse before you can have you know before you can have men that dig deep and do what it must be done to protect those whom they love yeah yeah i mean and you see this when there's like you know, natural disasters or, or not so natural disasters where um, when there's a, a hurricane or a flood or things like that, right? There's no longhouse there, right? It's, right. it's men, you know, when there's a hurricane in the South somewhere and, and flooding and everything else, it's, it's, you know, these like redneck men with boats that show up and, and rescue everyone, right? That's, yeah. that's what happens. Um, and, and so take that across like a broad mass scale, where things are so disordered and there, there's so much violence and destruction everywhere that you're not going to be worried about the HR lady looking over your shoulder to say, to, to, you know, Hector you, if you told a, an off color joke or whatever, like it's, it, that, that's, that, that world will be gone. And I don't know, I think it, it's not going to be able to sustain itself forever. And I think for right now, what has to happen is is men breaking out of it. I mean, just mm -hmm. like that tweet that you made, I'm like, you're 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 marketing my book for me because that's that's really, you know, the that's, the ethos. That's what I'm here book. for. That's yeah, that's right. For. Thank you, CJ. You 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 forgot to put the the URL. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, it it um, uh, that that's that's just it. You need and, and people you know some people have been like, ah, oh, the book seems kind of Nietzschean. You know, it seems kind of Nietzschean. It's like, well. Um, some of Nietzsche's critiques of Christianity aren't just from this like Reddit tier atheist. I they, agree. He he yeah. is he, he made these critiques of Christianity because like he could see the longhouse in Christianity in the 1800s. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, he was his father was a Lutheran minister, and and he mm -hmm. you know, he's he saw it for what it was, and and the the vitalism, the masculinity, the the the, the men of, of, of great will and, and force and power that had existed in, in Christian history are, are gone. They they've been, they've been castrated. They've been mm -hmm. emasculated and, and, and done away with. And so that has to come back. Right. And, and so the things that we have to do now is, is simply be that you, you, you simply must become men like this. And it's not easy, right? You, you might've lived your entire life under the, under the sway of, of the longhouse and, and dutifully serving, serving it. And you have to say no more. We're done with yeah. this. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going to live my life this way. I'm, I'm not going to, I mean, it, it almost becomes like, you know, manosphere stuff where um, you know, there's, the, there's a phrase in the manosphere that, uh, you know, it's a family show. So I can't, you know, I have to, I have to blot it out. Uh, you know, an S test, <laughs> you know, like, like that's, this is what guys said, like when, when you're, you're dating some, and you know, a, a gal will make you put up with, um, her grief and it's, she's testing <laughs> you, right. She's yeah. testing you to see what are you going to put up with, right? What kind of stuff are you going to put up with? And you just say, no, I'm not doing with that. You know, like if, if that's it, we're done. Um, that's, they, they do those things and, and not even consciously, you know, women do these, not just consciously. Um, they, it's, 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 it's part of, <laughs> it's part of human nature. It's, it's how God made us, I think. And, and so the, the longhouse S tests you your entire life and you just say, yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Uh, like the little kid in that, that video that you referenced, um, 
you know, most people would say, oh, I'm so sorry for for having this offensive uh, evil Gadsden flag on my backpack. Uh, please forgive me. I'm so sorry, Miss Teacher Lady. Uh, and the kid doesn't do that. I mean, I, I, I'm kind of repulsed by it a little bit because it's like I think that the kid's parents are using him to to become yeah. famous. Uh, mm -hmm. But but at the same time, like that was me when I was a kid is I'm not I went to public school and I had to deal with this stuff and I, I didn't I didn't submit to it at all. And, and, but very, almost everybody does, you know, the teacher says, why aren't you doing your, your homework? Why are you, Andrew, why are you reading these, you know, all these books on world war two when you're supposed to be doing your, your worksheets. And, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, I'm like, because I'm trying to get an actual education. <laughs> I'm trying, yeah. I'm trying to learn. Uh, yeah. I, 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 worksheets, I, worksheets are not going to break you out of the long house. No. Reading no, world no, war two. Reading World War II yeah. biographies, they might do that. That might, that might. I mean, yeah. I, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I, I tweeted about this this week. You know, I, I talked about um, how like education is. It, it kind of in response to that video of the kid is that's where you're you're socialized into the longhouse. Is mm -hmm. you you know ninety percent of your teachers are are women and very liberal women at that, and they have this the same hectoring tone where you're a bad boy. That's not, that's not very nice of you to talk that way. Um, and yeah, you have to, you have to ask permission to use the bathroom. You have to ask permission for everything. And um, for me, I love, yeah, I love being, I, I, love I didn't do it. Kids are homeschooled. I just, yeah, it's, it's yeah, me um, too. Yeah. I just think about like my son, I just think about, he has to go to the bathroom. He just walks outside and just pees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My, my son does too. And we're in town. Uh, <laughs> but uh um yeah like it, it is um i remember even in high school like constantly being told my parents being told by my teachers you know andrew would be he'd have a 4.0 you know he gets a's on every single test he gets 100 percent on every single test but he doesn't turn any of his daily work in he doesn't do any of the worksheets why doesn't he do if he would just do the work he would he would be the valedictorian yeah and it's like well, if I already mastered all of the material, why do I need to do this daily work, right? Why do I need to fill in the worksheet and do the multiple choice thing and all the all this stuff? When it's like I know it, I know it better yeah. than the teacher does, right? Especially if it was like history, like I would, I, I was the obnoxious kid that would be actually, um, uh, no, that's <laughs> not the year that that happened. That was that was you know 1863, uh, and the you know football coach would be like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, whatever. You know, I got to get back to game planning. And, and, it's like, and it's like, you know, that's, that's, that was my life in school. And, and so I was, I was the outlier that was deconditioned to the longhouse uh, when they were trying to condition me to that. I think probably most of the people listening to the show yeah. are like <laughs> nodding along. Like that was me too. That was me. That was me. Um, because it, it's so fake. They just give you this busy work. And, and a few people are like, no, kids need work. They need to be disciplined and work hard. You should, should have done your worksheets. And I'm like, all right, if it was like 1920 and I'm sitting there in, in Latin class and I have to conjugate sentences and do all this hard work, um, yeah, I need that, right? I need a rigor and discipline and, and, and work that mm -hmm. is purposeful. But the, what the Longhouse does, it's just it, we're going to give you work that's pointless and meaningless because that's the life that you are going to have in front of you is you're going you're gonna to sit at your job and the HR lady is going to tell you, you need to get the TPS reports done, even though they don't matter. And you could be doing much more valuable stuff for your business, mm -hmm. but no, you got to go through this, this pointless exercise in order to, you know, to appease them.
And like, that's the life that you're in, uh, that everybody is in and stuck in. And so, yeah, how do you, how do you break out of it? I mean, maybe it's tiny little rebellions one, one step at a time. Um, but that's, that's what you have to do, right. To, yeah. to become, because we're going to need guys like that very, very soon, very, very shortly. We're going to need men that are capable of leading and it, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's going to be very, very bad. It's going to be and, the kid. It's going to be the kids that yeah. were not acclimated to the worksheets. You know, yeah, that's what it's going to be. You're right. I said, this is stupid. This is a waste of time. I'm going to, I'm going to read about Douglas MacArthur now. Uh, yeah. Know? Or I'm going <laughs> to go know? shoot, I'm going to go shoot squirrels. Like that's, that's more yeah. productive probably. Yeah, exactly. So. Exactly. And so, yeah, I, I think, you know, we're, we're almost at a time here. Um, there, there's other stuff we wanted to talk about, but we covered, we covered a lot, uh, today, but yeah, what, uh, what do you have CJ, um, as far as content that, uh, whenever you ask I mean, this that. week. Whenever you ask this me week, that, you haven't like, done anything. Yeah. I yeah. Was, yeah. I'm like, uh, nothing new at Contra Mordor, uh, yeah. my sub stack. That's it. Nothing new. Well, you have, you have some interviews. Um, I saw that you're going to be interviewing, uh, Paul Gottfried again for Chronicles. Yeah. After this, I'm really excited. Again. Yeah. So we're, um, we're restructuring them things, but I'm excited about this one. Cause I'm going to get into the depth on like, just like, uh, like post-war presidency, like Eisenhower and um, Nixon and the conservative wars, um, you know, whether Reagan was actually a conservative and the meaning of Nixon in, you know, the yeah. development of the post-war order, like that stuff's going to be cool. Uh, Cause oh, he yeah. was there. So he was there for all of it. And, and his, uh, his insight, when you, when you posted that, I was like, Oh, I can't wait to watch that. Uh, yeah. So oh, yeah, I, and we're going to, we're going to talk about, um, we're going to talk about Watergate. Right, all that stuff. So, oh, you could do a whole episode on that. It'd be great. It would be I fantastic. I mean, Watergate really was the preview of everything that happened to Trump in 2020 and, right. and before. I mean, right. that's the same playbook that they they operated. So, I can't wait to hear about that. Um, I, I we were supposed to do an episode, you, you and I, with uh, Lafayette Lee. You know, at mm-hmm. partisan underscore O. Um, you know, soon, I, and and talk about those kind of things uh you know the oppenheimer movie came out i don't know did you want you you don't go to the show house and watch movies <laughs> no but I, uh, I but uh that that movie was both excellent and terrible at the same time for different reasons Didn't we talk i think we talked about that Didn't we, we did but i mean um but lafayette lee i mean he he is kind of you know the expert i would say on on mccarthyism on on the new deal and on on you know uh, the communist subversion of America in the middle of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and that movie kind of, the movie brings that out. I mean, they don't, they don't shy away from it, although they kind of glamorize it and glorify it. It's like, well, of course they were communists. So of course they were. Um, and so I want to, you know, I want to talk to him about that. So hopefully maybe this next week for our next episode, we'll have, we'll have Lafayette Lee, if his schedule works out to be able to, to join us, it would be our first Anon that we've had on the podcast. He would be, uh, you know, he won't, we'll hear his voice and that's the only thing. Uh, there'll be no, no video with him. Um, but that, that's what we have, you know, going forward. I'm going to continue. I haven't, I haven't written very much lately because I've been busy, you know, promoting the book. And so if you haven't bought the book, uh, if you're listening to this now and you haven't bought the book, go to bonifaceoption.com immediately buy the book. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it is, um, that's, that's been, um, uh, you know, awesome. Uh, the, the response, has been has been fantastic you know the the book is uh has been far more successful than 
than I had dreamed of. And, and really even, even beyond like sales and things like that, um, the reaction to it where people are like, this is really good. This is like all the things that you're saying here are exactly like, you know, the reviews that people are giving when they actually read it. Cause it'd be one thing. It's like, Oh, they buy the book and it's terrible. And that was a waste of 17 bucks. Uh, but the people who are like, wow, I was really looking forward to this and you exceeded all my expectations. Like hearing people say that has been, uh, means a lot. And so if you read the book and you loved it, uh, tell 10 people to buy it <laughs> too. But I mean, or, really, um, or buy it for 10 people, buy, it, buy for it for 10 people, people if you want. Um, yeah, but yeah, if you, if you read it and loved it, um, yeah, keep, keep promoting it. Cause word of mouth, I think is really what, what drives a lot of it at this point after the initial you know, release of it. And, um, it, it is, it's a book that I wrote for the, for the type of Christians who are still kind of grill Americans, right? We talked about this here, like the, the, the grill Americans need to read this stuff because they're oblivious to it. I don't, I don't want to overuse, you know, matrix analogies, but they're, they're plugged into the matrix, man. And they need to be unplugged. And a book like this is, is, you know, a, a means to doing that where, where some, I, 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 I think the, the trans stuff is one of the things that, that really, awakens people to see oh this is really bad how did this happen and it's like well actually this has been going on for a long time and it's part of a much larger project that you need to be aware of and so um yeah hopefully hopefully people continue to read it and and it radicalizes them i want them to be radicalized because we are in we are in a revolutionary moment that they need to recognize and and they don't and so they need to um, so anyway, uh, that's what I've got going on. Hopefully I'll have a few articles up this next week. There's lots of stuff to write about. Lots of things, ha even though nothing ever happens, uh, it seems like a lot of stuff is actually happening. Uh, so there's a lot, a lot of things to write about and, and talk about, but, uh, that's, that's all I have uh, for this week. But, uh, uh, we don't, you know, we have, we're, we've gone on for over an hour here. We have run out of time for the poster. We're all going to make it. He is not going to be able to join us again this episode. Uh, maybe next time. Um, he he said, uh, you know, I, I told him like, well, maybe once we get past, you know, a thousand subscribers, we can go live and you can say whatever you want. Then maybe you can join us. Maybe we'll have time then. So we're we're still short of that. We're still short of that. Uh, so make sure you uh, you tell your friends, get people to to like and subscribe and share the share the uh, videos and, and share the podcast uh, everywhere podcasts are found. But uh, that's all the time we have. No time for all. We're all going to make it. And um, I hope you have an excellent week. Uh, thank you for, for listening, for watching, for, for CJ and for me. And stay dangerous. And we will see you next time.